Well, we welcome everybody to this week's edition of View from the Press Box. I am Scott Hogan, and Brad Hallier joins me. And Brad, I think uh, both of us are probably still trying to come down off of yesterday's uh, Chiefs victory over Cleveland, uh, 22-17. And I think this conversation is probably going to go in a lot of a lot of different areas, but uh, I think we're both sitting here thankful that the Chiefs uh, are going to play for the AFC title game, and now we're just waiting to hear if uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to play. You know, the thing that I go back to this game, Scott, and this is the thing that kind of drives me crazy about this team is 19-3 to in the second half, right? Chiefs get the interception. They're in the red zone. I mean, they – I, I, it's easy to point the finger at Harrison Bucker and say, idiot kicker missed again, and he should receive criticism for missing that field goal. But if the Chiefs score a touchdown there, it's, it's ball game. Mm. And, they, oh God, it just drives me nuts. I mean, that should have been a drama-free game. But, hey, they won the advance. And, boy, I tell you what, Chad Heaney has never got to buy a drink in Kansas City for as long as he lives. That that third and 14 run for 13, yard, or for 13 yards, 2 feet and 11 inches, uh, was just remarkable, and what what a gutsy play that was, and what a call up by Andy Reid on fourth down, and great execution to to put the game on ice. And so I saw someone on Twitter bring up the point, said, you know, that's the difference between the Chiefs and the Browns. You know, the Browns had fourth down and about five, and elected to punt. And I can't say I blame them. I mean, you're essentially it's the same. You know, you're not going to beat us with Chad Heaney, and, and Andy Reid on fourth down essentially said, we're going to beat you here with Chad Heaney. So it, it just kind of a different in philosophies right there. And, and I'm not saying one's better than the other, but I just think the Chiefs have this aura about them that says, you know, we're going to beat you. You're, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're just going to beat you. That's how it's going to be. Yeah, there, there's a lot of things, of course, like like you that drove me crazy about this game. I mean, they leave four four points out there with the you already alluded to the short field goal miss, uh, the missed extra point, which I think is his eighth of the season. Um, four points right there. We're not even sweating at the end because that's a nine-point lead instead of a five-point lead um you know you think about um Henny was leading them on that drive they they were in field goal range down around the 25 and then a tight end they bring up off the practice squad gets an illegal uh, I think it was a crackback block they called him on knocks you out of field goal range and then the one mistake that Henny makes is on that next play where he just um, lofts one right into triple coverage and gets picked off but like you said, on the other side, the defense does get the stop. And we're not even talking about um, Dirty Dan, the tackle at the goal line for the touchback um, to prevent that Cleveland touchdown, which at that point I think was going to make it – I think it was still 19-3 to at that point. Um, I think it was actually 16-3 to because the Chiefs got the ball and went down and scored a field goal. Okay, so, you know, and, you know, that play right there – um, saves a, what will surely look like a touchdown, turns into a touchback. And as you mentioned, the Chiefs go get points. Um, yeah, crazy, crazy game. Some of the play calling I scratched my head on, and some of it you're like, you know, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's, it was just a strange game. And like you said, it, it, it felt like it should be drama-free at the end. And I think we all certainly agree that if Mahomes is healthy, plays that whole game, it probably still is. I think they score on one or two other possessions, at least field goals, um, to make that not such a close game. But injuries are part of it, and now we just kind of wait and see. My personal feeling, everything was pointing towards him um, being in really good shape last night. And, of course, I know the next day can be a telling day on a concussion. But at this point, I would be very surprised if he does not play Sunday and um, that certainly obviously changes things a lot if he doesn't. I think he will, but um, that's up to uh, medical examiners this week. We'll also see what it does to the line. Right now, I think Buffalo is a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and if Mahomes is cleared to play, I think that probably shoots it up maybe as much as five points for the Chiefs. So yeah, it will be interesting. I will say this much, Scott. I, maybe I missed it. Did, did Mahomes actually get hit in the head in any capacity on that play? And the reason I ask is because – my uh, oldest daughter was home for the weekend, and she made the observation that it didn't look like that he hit his head, but that maybe with the tackler have his arm wrapped around Mahomes' neck, perhaps blacked out for a minute uh, after or during the tackle or whatever. So, uh, again, I'm not a medical uh, expert by any stretch of the imag- imagination, but I don't know. I just could it have been something other than a concussion. Um, he did not get hit in the head. I watched that replay numerous times. 
his head did get wrenched kind of awkwardly. It was kind of a um, almost a headlock. You see his head kind of get jerked. So you kind of wonder if um, it was some kind of a neck stinger that, like you said, momentarily caused him to black out. Or, you, you know, you and I both watched him try to get up, and I thought he was going to fall down um, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for his lineman standing there. And at that point, I knew in my mind, it's like he's done for the game. Um, he'll, I don't, didn't think he would pass the protocols and everything that they have to do in the locker room. Um, so, I, again, I'm no medical expert, but I think that would be actually in his favor if it was something like that. And if it wasn't truly, you know, uh, helmet to helmet, severe type concussion, which it does not sound like that it is, I think that would bode well for him to be able to pass all the steps that he needs to pass. And we've seen a lot of guys that have milder concussions play the next week symptom-free. So I I think there's a good chance. Uh, I think you obviously have to prepare both ways this week because the game plan certainly would change at least a little bit. Um, It's scary to try to run the ball against Buffalo because they've got a really good run defense. And certainly with Henny at quarterback, you would – try to run the ball more but I think we'll wait for that to be seen and and if Mahomes doesn't practice or is very limited this week that doesn't concern me whatsoever he's he was playing beautifully in that game till he gets injured um, and I will say one thing on the Browns behalf um, the Browns have arrived I mean this that's a that's a good football team that the Chiefs beat but like you mentioned the Chiefs the veteran team they made the plays the conversions that they needed to make, the the hit at the goal line by Sorensen. They made those plays. The Browns different. The difference between the Chiefs and the Browns, this may sound stupid, is not very much right now. I think it's mostly experienced. Talent level is pretty close. Yeah, and the thing that I think that we'll see is that the AFC, I think, is going to be just stocked with some good teams here for the foreseeable future. And I hate to be a Debbie Downer on everything that the Browns accomplished, but my goodness, they – may have ruined one of the best chances they they could get to going to the Super Bowl. And what I mean by that is they got every AFC team's dream. You got to play the Chiefs in a close playoff game without Patrick Mahomes in there for a third of the game. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> and they couldn't win. So, I mean, if you look at the, you know, I think the Bills are in it for the long run. We know the Chiefs are in it for the long run. I, I like what the Chargers are, are developing. We know that the Ravens are going to be in it for the long run. Uh, hopefully Deshaun Watson leaves uh, – for the NFC, we don't have to worry about him very much anymore. But I, I think the AFC is just going to be loaded for the foreseeable future, and and I do think the Browns will be part of that. But man, I just hate to to say it, but they may have ruined what could be a great chance to go to the Super Bowl. Well, we've all seen that opportunities for teams other than the Patriots over the last twenty years. Um, boy, those don't just come along every year. You know, I think that's why I was so upset when the chiefs lost to the Patriots in that overtime game, even though, you know, they went back, got business done last year, won the Super Bowl. But I said, at that point, you can't let these opportunities slip by because they just don't come that often. You never know. Maybe your quarterback gets injured in week two the next year and he's out for the year or free agency hits and you have to do the finances, let some of your key players go and you, and, and you, and you fall back a step and, um, it just ask Dan Marino. I mean, <laughs> right. they, they thought he was going to play in a whole bunch of Super Bowls after year two, and he never got back. So, yeah, if you're Cleveland today, you're kicking yourself uh, that you missed that opportunity. Uh, the Bills, not a lot to say about that game. That game was not close. D- Buffalo dominated Lamar Jackson. Um, you, you could tell the way they were playing. Every lineman was spying him. Uh, they were not going to let him run and beat them. He did not. Um, the Bills are for real. The the NFC, I think uh, the Packers certainly, I, I don't care about Tampa Bay beating them back in week six, 38 to 10. Uh, that's an, that was an anomaly. I, I heavily favor Green Bay in the cold, in the snow against the Bucks. who again, um, Tom Brady played, fairly mistake-free he did I think he had an interception and could have had one or two more it certainly was the Bucks defense um, setting them up short fields picking off Drew Brees that have the Bucks in this situation but um, I certainly think that the Packers have the upper hand the way they're playing 
They're going to get a warm weather team outdoors in the cold, which is right down Green Bay's alley. I, I certainly like the pack um, to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is going to be uh, – I'm not saying it's going to be a comfortable game or anything like that, but it just seems like that this is, you know, Green Bay's year. They haven't – you know, they, they won the Super Bowl when Rodgers was fairly young. We all kind of thought that they would go out and maybe win two or three of these. So, like you said, opportunities don't come around very often. And with uh, Rodgers in the twilight of his career, I certainly certainly like them to, to win this one. Yeah, so Sorry, Scott. <laughs> I, I would certainly like to, see, you know, see a rematch of Super Bowl one, Chiefs and – uh, Packers, the uh, Bills team. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game with or without Mahomes. Um, I certainly would pick the Chiefs with Mahomes. I would probably lean towards Buffalo um, without Mahomes. Uh, but it's it's gonna be a fun a fun Sunday of football to see if the the Chiefs can get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, let's switch a little bit to uh, some college basketball. The Jayhawks after. Six days off playing last Tuesday, losing 75-70 at Oklahoma State. To say that it doesn't get any easier, Brad, this week is an understatement, as tonight they are at undefeated number two ranked Baylor, um, 12-0 and 5-0 in the conference. The Jayhawks 10-3, now 4-2 in the Big 12. And then they go back on the road to a middle-of-the-pack, pretty decent Oklahoma team on Saturday, but Wow, what a tall order down at Baylor tonight. Do you, you see the Jayhawks fall in the four and three, or do they pull the upset and give Baylor their first loss? I will say this. Uh, Bill Self has often done his best coaching when it seems like people are counting them out. And this is, I think, the biggest uh, betting underdog a Bill Self-Kansas team has had since at least his first season when I know they're about an eight-point dog to Texas. So – and, and, and on top of that, it seems like that usually when KU is – it hasn't happened often, but playing a team with superior talent throughout Bill Self's tenure, that he actually seems to get the upper hand in the second game. So we saw that with Baylor last year. I think we're going to see that with Texas this year. I think when the Jocks go down to Austin, they're going to be well prepared for that game. So it doesn't happen often where the KU is outgunned and outmanned. But that, this is one of those nights. And, yeah, I, I don't think Kansas wins this one. Having said that, I wouldn't be surprised to see a split with Baylor. And Texas, for that matter. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I too, it, it's hard to see KU going down there the way Baylor's playing. KU coming off at seventy-five, seventy. KU had to make a really nice second-half run um, to be within one possession at, towards the end of that game at Oklahoma State. Uh, a week off, they should be fresh. Uh, boy, it's hard. I, I couldn't pick against Baylor tonight. I think KU can. Depends on what happens tonight, um, if they have a hangover or anything going and playing at Norman. It's, it's typical KU. They're going to get everybody's best punch wherever they go. So uh, I certainly – I think KU will get it out of this week one and one, um, figuring maybe not tonight, but I think they get OU. Could, it could be the other way around. It's just – it's a Jayhawk team, I think, still just trying to to figure out their true identity here kind of at the midway point of the season. It's kind of weird that I don't think that they're playing very good basketball right now, but one guy who actually is playing really well right now is uh, David McCormick. Yeah, and, you know, he's, and uh, he's... For, for this team to be successful, uh, we've talked about they have to have at least a solid David McCormick. You know, what, what is that? You know, eight or ten points a game and the same amount of rebounds. I think he'd live with that. If, that, if that's what David McCormick averages for the season, you know, eight and eight, ten and eight, somewhere in that range, I feel like this would be a successful KU team. What they can't have is a night of uh, four points and two rebounds or something like that and five fouls. You know, that, that's something they can't have and be successful. Yeah, and it'd be nice to see if they can get out of this uh, three-point funk that they're in, although the three-point funk seems to be more at Allen Fieldhouse than on the road. <laughs> that is strange how some teams uh, – their home court, the home court's just so weird this year. Without the fans, it's just not the factor. Uh, I think that's kind of leveled out the playing field. I think in all sports, just without that rowdy crowd and the energy to draw on, and because you know as well as I, we've watched enough basketball on TV called it. Three-point shooting is contagious. Um, if one guy gets hot, it just seems like he draws on the crowd. Energy, the next guy gets hot. And it's the same way. Guy gets cold. And it seems like it can infect the whole team. So I, I, 
I really miss that part of the, the no crowds with those, you know, you know, everybody they're standing on their feet with their arms up when the shot goes up. Um, it's just, it's just incredible to watch. And I, I really miss that this season. Yeah. And that's across all sports. I mean, what's better than Arrowhead stadium. Mm. Uh, and actually you, you could really, even though there wasn't that many fans, what 20,000 there, you could sense the anxiety uh, when Mahomes went down and boy, can you imagine what it'd been like in a, in a full house? I mean, you could just, uh, but you could still sense it, but yeah, boy, I tell you, it's uh, without the fans, uh, you know, empty arenas with limited fans is better than nothing, but yeah, I definitely miss that. So again, KU uh, Monday at Baylor, Saturday at Oklahoma, uh, those games, of course, can be heard on 94.7 KSKU. As we stay in the college ranks, both Sterling women and men in action this Wednesday. I'll have the call 95.9 at 545 again on Wednesday. Sterling at Kansas Wesleyan. Um, the Sterling women's uh, latest rankings, they're number 15 in the country, 17-0, and 13-0. Their last game, you got to go back to Saturday, January 9th, where they won at McPherson 92 to 82. It's just kind of that downside of getting half of their conference schedule played before Christmas. They have some of these um, little stretches where they haven't played. That being said, kudos to Coach Bassett. In this last week, they were able to get quote unquote scrimmages, games with Hutch Juco and Garden City this last week. So she kept that game atmosphere going for her team, which I understand they beat Hutch Juco to a very upset Johnny Anchus at the end of that <laughs> scenario. Second time this season that the Sterling first team has defeated Hutch Juco in a scrimmage. And then Garden City was this Saturday. So I like that idea. It, it doesn't count, obviously, but you kept the game atmosphere with officials playing good teams. I like that. They're playing a Kansas Wesleyan team that's been up and down. They're nine and seven, eight and five overall lost at Ottawa, 88, 82 on Saturday. Um, or excuse me. Uh, that was the men's game. 67 to 61. K-Dub lost at Ottawa. Sterling won the first meeting 91 to 80 in Sterling and Kansas Wesleyan kind of goes, they have Amanda Hill and Kelsey Hens. Hens is that dominant post player. Hill at six foot probably shoots as many threes as she does down in the paint. They kind of go, they're not as strong guard oriented this year, but uh, on the road again, ranked team, they'll get their best shot. That, that'll be an interesting game on Wednesday. I want to go back to the scrimmage with Hutch and, and the fact that the Sterling won that. I'm sure I'm not sure anybody was probably happier with that than uh, Hutch coach John Hutches because now we can say, "Hell, oh, you guys think you're all that, don't you?" Well, you you, you lost today, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can guarantee he. But that both coaches were very happy with, uh, <laughs> with that they can use that to their advantage. Uh, but yeah, this uh, you know the way that the the women have played this year. I mean, and, and the, getting some more games in there. Even if they're scrimmages, it's going to do nothing but help them. You can develop a little bit of depth in those games, also. So they're certainly good all around, I think. And uh, I, I just, I wish I could go over and see them play at some point this season. But due to COVID, I'm not sure that's going to happen. But boy, Scott, you really have to have had enjoyed what you've been able to see from this team. Well, I have, and I can get you in any time that you want to come over and <laughs> see a home game. You can just come and join me on the on the broadcast. I, I could have that all arranged. And Coach Bassett did. She slips in a non-conference game this coming Saturday at Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. So she didn't want to go yet another week because that's when it'll be for both teams. Clear around to the 27th when they travel to Bethany. So nice job there. Um, so that's the women's side of things. The men's side of things uh, the Sterling men, it was, wow, you talk about a roller coaster ride their last three games. They, they go to York um, a week ago Saturday and defeat York 73-70 for their first conference victory of the season. They come back home last Monday, Brad, and play Southwestern, and it was just awful. I mean, they, they got sucked into a three-point shooting contest. They were 4-30 of 30 from the three-point line, I think 25% overall, and just got blasted at home by Southwestern, 72-49. They turn around two days later and play their best game of the season at Tabor and win 90-85. to Jemiah Haynes goes double-double in that game, 27, and I believe it was 11 rebounds. 
Um, they got balanced scoring. Uh, they, they didn't turn the ball over. They rebounded well. They held off everything. Tabor tried to throw at them late and picked up their second victory in three games. It, it, it may be too little too late as far as uh, postseason tournament play is considered because they're still 4-11, and 2-10 and 10 in the conference. But uh, a little reason for hope, uh, two of their last three performances being pretty good. They're playing a K-Dub team that's um, – 500, 7 and 7, 5 and 5. They lost at Ottawa, 88, 82. Got Sterling by 8 um, earlier in the season in Sterling, but still hope for uh, another chance to win a game if they just um, run their offense and have some continuity, which they have had in the last uh, two out of their three games. I think the the win over Tabor may be may be a better in, indication of where this team is headed, and by that I mean coming off that loss to Southwestern, I mean that could just been a crippling loss, or like you know kind of throw the hands up. Oh well, so much for that. You know the win over York that didn't really mean anything, and they were mature enough to shake off that defeat where they didn't even score fifty points and put up ninety on Tabor and win a, and, and get a quality win there. That's two out of three now. So. I think that the loss to Southwestern was more of an, an anomaly than anything else. So, but all kinds of credit, I think, to Sterling to come back from that loss and get a second victory since the new year. And I, that, to me, is probably the most encouraging thing I've seen from this team this season is not the win over York or some of those close losses. It's that they were able to overcome that just horrible performance against Southwestern and beat Tabor. Yeah, here, here me hoping with you that the Southwestern game was the anomaly. Um moving forward that we'll see the um, the Sterling Warriors uh, play competitive, good basketball here down the, the stretch, maybe pick up some couple, three more victories along the way and build towards the future, which uh, we hope that future is on the way up. Again, those games are Wednesday at Kansas Wesleyan on 95-9, tip-off at 6. And then, Brad, we finally heard – we had heard nothing about the NAI National Tournament um, – there had been a lot of rumors about the 64-team field. Was that going to be um, cut in half? Um, were they going to eliminate the opening rounds and go to just the central sites, you know, what the NCAA tournament is doing in the NCAA women's tournament? Well, what they have decided to do, the field is going to be reduced from 64 to 48 teams. They are going to now use, instead of 16, they're going to use eight opening round sites around the country, six teams each. Now, Wichita has already been announced. They are going to be able to keep both of the host sites, Fringe University and Hartman Arena. At each site, there will be a men's pod and a women's pod of three teams each. The one seed in those pods will get a bye. The one seed will play the winner of the 2-3 game the next day. I think it's Friday, Saturday, March 12th and 13th. Um, so that's how they're going to do it. And then the winners of the pods, the 16 winners of those eight pods will go on to Sioux city or Kansas city. If it's on the men's side for the central site for the national tournament. So that being said, going from a four to a three team opening round with a buy available Boy, I hate to put pressure on the Lady Warriors, but if you're thinking about number one seeds, you figure they usually go by rankings, Brad. That's 16 of those out there with three team pods and 48 teams. Boy, that really makes it critical for the Lady Warriors. I don't say they have to go undefeated, but to really finish strong, try to get a number one seed where they would only have to win one game to advance to Sioux City. Yeah, it, it definitely puts a lot of pressure on them. Uh, I I don't know if they're under ranked at 15 or not. Uh, there's probably a little bit of uh, leeway there. They probably I'm, I'm going to say they won't have to go undefeated to finish in the top 16 and get that number one seed, but probably not much margin after after that. I mean, one maybe two losses max will is probably what they'll be able to have to do to get the the top seed. Yeah, I, th- I think the NAI did this because. The last time I looked at the rankings, just this last week, there was three teams in the top 25 at zero and zero. Um, still had not <laughs> played a game. And I think that the national committee is thinking that some of these conferences or teams um, may not play or they're going to have their bids reduced or something to that effect. 
um, the reasoning for going ahead this season and reducing the field um, from from the 64 to 48. What I do not know yet, I, I believe the KCAC is still going to receive their two automatic bids, which are go to your conference and tournament champions. If that's one and the same, it's the second um, finisher in the regular season that gets the second bid. I'm not positive on that. I haven't got to talk to the coaching staff or anybody since this came out, but I believe it's still the same that the KCAC would still get two. And then you'd go through the, the at-large process, which boy, you don't want to rely on an at-large any season, but especially with a reduced <laughs> field this year, um, you want to get one of those two automatic bids, but it, it, it's going to be very interesting, but I was very happy to hear Wichita still going to have the two, two sites for the opening round. Yeah. And I think uh, hopefully we can maybe even get some uh, fans in there. Cause I'm sure the Sterling, if they make it there and, and really any KCAC team would uh, definitely add to the uh, atmosphere there. Yeah. And uh, it remains to be seen where, you know, they'll try to keep some of the teams regionalized, which worries you a little bit that they'll ship down one of those G pack teams. That's always so strong, but um, you got to beat them at some point. So uh, that's how the national tournament will, will play out again. The opening rounds are March 12th and 13th again, Friends University and Hartman Arena are your Wichita sites. Uh, so let's uh, – one more little college basketball, then we're going to dive into the midseason tournament weeks. Um, Wichita State um, making things very interesting this year for Shocker fans and the American. They're going to play at Memphis this Thursday and host South Florida on Sunday on Kansas Rocks 100.3 uh, WSU. Eight and three, four and one. They got a really nice victory against Tulsa to end the week last week. That puts them in second place in the American Brad behind six and one Houston. Houston does have the tiebreaker right now with the head to head victory against Wichita State. But again, two, um, I would say, tough games this week, two winnable games for a shocker team that um, continues to surprise us. Yeah, and then they're just. They, they're getting better, Scott. I mean, that good win over Tulsa, and they, they've really played well. And they, even the loss at Houston, they played pretty well. And, boy, I tell you what, if they uh, – they're, they're firmly, I think, if they're – I haven't seen many of those uh, prognosticators, what they call them, you know, about the NCAA tournament field or whatever. But if Wichita State's not in right now, I'd be kind of surprised. I mean, they're probably definitely on the bubble. But, you know, right now at eight and three, you know, they continue to win these games and, and remain top two or three in the conference. They're, they're going to have a pretty good case to make it to the NCAA tournament. Oh, I would think, uh, boy, you finished um, top three or four in the American. I would say got really solid chances to get in because I think it's being recognized for what it is a very good, not just basketball. They play really good football in the American as well. I think it's just a very good, I, I hesitate on calling it a mid-major because I really don't believe that it is a mid-major. I think it's somewhere between a power five and a mid-major, if that makes sense. I don't know what you'd call that. Um, <laughs> I think that's kind of where the American is. It's well-respected, and, and it's really good basketball. And I'm I'm going to be very curious. I need to, I need to find when they're going to be on TV or sometime. I haven't had a chance to watch them. I've listened to some of their parts of their games, and they're getting to be a fun team. And like you said, I think – they're getting more used to the their head coach. Um, they've overcome that early season adversity that was there, and they continue to get better. And I can see I, – I really do see them in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I think uh, if, if uh, Isaac Brown's not your conference coach of the year at this point, I'm not sure who is. And frankly, I think if the Shockers make it, you know, finish top two or three in the conference and make it to the tournament, you can make a case that he's a national coach of the year candidate. If, Boy, certainly he should be in the mix if, if that does take place. Again, a lot of basketball to be played. But, again, uh, WSU turning out to be a, a very fun team this season. Again, those games will be on 100.3 KNZS Thursday and Sunday for the Shockers. Well, we reached midseason tournament weeks in the high school ranks. Uh, some of the tournaments are going to look a little different. We'll talk about one, certainly, that will look different. There's a... I've got six of these tournaments written down, Brad, that at least they're on our schedule, right, at this point. Um, the one I will be at most of the week is the Sterling Invitational. And unfortunately, we mentioned the Lions girls 
um, are unable to participate in the Invitational this year due to COVID concerns. So that made the girls' side of this tournament a seven-team pool play tournament um, with the pool winners advancing to the finals on Friday. The girls' side, Brad, and I look at that bracket, and this is no disrespect to the rest of the field. Boy, this sure looks like a, a collision course for number one Sterling and number two Hugoton when Friday night that, gets Isn't here. that what these uh, midseason tournaments are all about, though, aren't they, where you get some – I mean, you really want to see these kind of matchups. I'm gonna, I could potentially see them in Burton also. We'll get into that also later on. But I'll tell you what, if you want to see midseason tournaments at their best, you're gonna see, you know, two undefeated teams playing for the championship, or you know, two state ranked teams playing for the championship. I and mean, that's really where it's all, what it's all about. And boy, that that that's got potential to be a tremendous matchup. Yeah. So that's on the girls' side. The boys' side. Uh, the game I have tonight. Uh, Lions, the boys, they are the number one seed. Uh, they're taking on the eight seed Kingman, which I think is going to be an interesting game because Lions, they went to Hillsboro this last Friday against uh, a rematch against Hillsboro. Um, it was a double overtime game back in the early season tournaments, 50 to 49. Hillsboro won that game. Lions was playing their second game without Dawson Stover, their 6'4 junior, and they laid an egg, Brad. There's just no way. A, saying it any different they were just down four at halftime they ended up getting beat uh, I think it was by 17 points in this game and it just wasn't close Lions looked Lions kind of just looked tired they were a step slower um, they they couldn't get people involved in their offense Hillsborough played some tremendous defense what a week it was for Hillsborough last week before that Lions victory they beat number four and three a Hoisington on the road on Tuesday and then um, blow out Lions that Friday. But uh, Lions comes limping into this tournament a little bit, still trying to figure out their rotation because they only had two bigs. And with Stover out, they start Israel Rios. They don't have another big for the rotation. So Coach Freese is trying to feel that out. They're supposed to know more about Stover and the rest of the season this week. Um, I think they're vulnerable. I think they beat Kingman. Tonight, it might be an interesting game. Kingman played Sheeny tough not long ago. Um, number two, Sterling. Number three, Hugoton. They look like they could be on a collision course. I don't count Hutch Trinity out as the four seed in this tournament. It's going to be very interesting. If, if Lions gets to the finals, they're going to have to really kind of pick it up this Yeah, week. and Kingman, I, I saw them earlier in the season. They lost pretty bad to Haven. But what I liked about Kingman is that they're pretty athletic out there and uh, it could be a pretty that, that could be a tricky matchup. And boy, when Trinity's the four seed, I mean they played a rugged schedule, so that's going to be a well tested and a tough number four seed for pretty much anybody. Yeah, they get Southeast of Saline to open the tournament, which should be an interesting um, four or five matchup. But that's uh, that's the quick look there at the Sterling Invitational um, Monday through Friday this week. You already alluded to it. You're going to be over at Burton. And boy, I tell you what, this is all shaping up. Boy, when this gets to the finals, Brad, Brain Academy and Little River are setting out there. Boy, what a matchup that would be between 1A and I, I believe is Brain right. 2A this year. Okay, boy, maybe maybe the best team in 1A against one of the, if not the best team in 2A when the finals get there. I think obviously we both think they're going to have uh, – blowout victories in the in the first games of this tournament um they're Bur Breen academy and burton tonight and uh, little river central christian tomorrow night but this is the tournament you're going to be at and oh man i'd love to be in your seat come friday night if that well, comes actually saturday night because they had to space the tournament out due to case regulations uh if you have more than four teams you okay. have to have uh two gyms so they just spaced it out in one gym all week long but yeah uh we we've talked uh on the podcast, on the air, and even just to each other about how does someone beat Little River? Well, you know what? Lewis Weeby might have the answer for Berean Academy. The one thing about his Berean Academy teams is they always are sound defensively. And if it comes to that, and I think we're in agreement that we will see a Berean-Little River championship game, I'll be very curious to see what Berean does to try to neutralize the one-two punch that Little River has with Graham Stevens and Jaden Garrison. So, boy, it's, you know, I, I hate to jump too far ahead, but I will say this much. One of Little River's closest games so far this year 
was against Central Christian. It was, I believe, an early December game, maybe one of the first two games of the season where Central Christian, at the end of one quarter, incredibly, I think it was 25-21 Little River. And it was was a 12-point game at the end. I think uh, ultimately it was a comfortable win for Little River. But tell you what, Adam Adam Clark is a good enough coach for Central Christian where I think that he can maybe provide some answers as to try to slowing down Little River. I certainly... I'm not going to go as far as to predict an upset, but Central Christian did give Little River a pretty decent game earlier this year. Yeah, Little River, if, if they played Berean Academy, um, Little River lo- loves to get out and run the floor, shoot the three. I have seen them when they are when they have to. They can be very disciplined in the half court, and I think they would have to do that because Berean Academy is not going to give up the quick look. Um, they're not going to give up the easy shot. Little River would have to be very patient, very disciplined, work their offense to get the open looks. So again, there's that's just that's an incredibly intriguing, maybe one of the most intriguing potential finals this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and it's going to be, uh, you know, I think if, if there is a blueprint out there on how to slow down Little River, again, Brian Academy might be able to provide it for some one A teams. That'll be a, if that happens. That'll be a heavily watched and requested game film. Come about substate time in one A for sure. Uh, Canton Galva boys tournament this week. Uh, the number one seed, a team we would know very little about, Wichita Homeschool. I have seen the two seed Sedgwick, and then Rock Creek comes in as the three seed. Um, boy, those homeschools, Brad, they're hard to to find any kind of information on. I think I saw, I think they're are they 11 and two or something like that. So they've played a lot of games um, coming into this. So um, really an unknown in there as the one seed. Yeah. And the thing about the homeschool is that I I've seen them through the years. They've had some pretty quality teams in basketball and soccer. I mean, they, they just seem to usually have pretty competitive teams. I think we may have seen a little bit of them last year when we broadcast a couple games up there. But, yeah, you just don't know what you're going to get year to year. But I do think that the homeschool team, I think it is actually a pretty good team. That's over in uh, Canton Galva. The Hillsboro Trojan Classic, this is one of those I alluded to, not a traditional type tournament. There's no brackets to this tournament they've set up the schedule the entire tournament schedule is out there um they're all going to be boys girls double header matchups so they have all those i think you can find those um online i have i did look those up the the one disappointing thing about that i know they're doing it because of the season um they're doing some of it at hillsborough and um, high school and Tabor College. Some of it is at the home site, like at Republic County or or such. Some of the games are being played at other home sites. The disappointing thing for me in this tournament is um, to not have a potential Heston Hillsboro boys game because they are not scheduled to play one another in this tournament. <laughs> what, 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 what a lot of fun that would be. Yeah, and, and it's just the, yeah. the year that we live in where we have to make adjustments and whatnot. I know that the McPherson tournament, I believe, is just – I believe that's just a four-team affair perhaps this year. You know, we usually won the top tournaments in all of Kansas. I believe it's just pool play or something like that. Uh, the Dodge City Tournament of Champions, I think, had to make some adjustments. They are now playing on, you know, home sites for the first round before they all con- uh, converge to Dodge City for the last day or two. So it, it is unfortunate uh, – you know, th- this basketball is better than no basketball. But, yeah, selfishly, as a broadcaster and as a fan, you would love to see Heston play Hillsboro. Yeah, we'll, we'll have action again from that. But, again, that's my understanding when the information with the um, matchups was no brackets. All games will be boys, girl, girls, boys, um, double headers with the matchups that they have out there. Um, the – what I call Adolf Rupp tournament. I think they go just by the Rupp tournament hosted in Halstead. It's uh, I think it's in its 51st year this season. And what a field. Again, we, we couldn't find very much information and we found the seeds finally. And whew, I tell you what, a top heavy um, bracket here. Haven's the number one seed. Minneapolis comes in as the two seed, Cheney the three seed. They all have just one loss. And then the four seed Garden Plain has 
just two losses. And I think you said that Andale's down at the six. They're two and four, but they played a brutal schedule. So, uh, wow, you could see boy, you could see four or five different teams not out of the stretch of the imagination in the championship game on Friday, or that might be Saturday. I, I don't have yeah, a look at the bracket. Yeah, uh, pretty, pretty impressive field. And I'd say whoever comes out with this tournament victory is going to have to – they're really going to have earned it. And I really like – I saw Haven again last week against um, – um, oh, boy, who they uh, – against Halstead, who they – yeah, who they opened up their Halstead. tournament with. And this, this, this Haven team, they're, they're – deep and they're athletic and they're talented i'd say when they play heston that's gonna be a marquee matchup between those two teams i'm just not sure how they'll match up with each other because they're both just deep they're talented they can press they can play in the half court that'll be a lot of fun when those two teams match up but i'd say haven's gonna have their hands full uh in the in the latter two games of this tournament no matter who they play i mean you could see a, a team like haven or minneapolis i mean you could see one of those teams going one and two on the week yeah, that's, that's certainly not out of the equation. Um, boy, with those top four, if Haven played Garden Plain and Minneapolis played Sheeney, what uh, what a mashup that would be. Um, we, we've had, we have covered, um, not me personally, the station has covered Sheeney a couple of times this year. Um, they have two fantastic teams there in Sheeney. So as, as always, uh, that rep tournament's loaded, and I need to try to look ahead. I'm I'm hoping Haven is having their girls tournament again this year. We covered that last year. Holy smokes, was that a loaded bracket last year? Um, so I'm certainly hoping that um, that girls tournament is taking place. What What do you know about that yeah, as far uh, as next? Week? It, from everything I've heard, it will be going on, and yeah, uh, even hospitality room food, Scott. <laughs> oh. Oh, man, sign me up now. But I, I don't know if we'll get over to that. It depends on the Lions uh, schedule for next week. But that, that was a fantastic girls tournament last week, and it should be um, in Halstead. The Rupp tournament should be great, as it usually is every year. And we'll have coverage from that again. Boy, I feel sorry for those Halstead boys. They just got drilled by Haven Friday, and now they got to turn <laughs> around and play them again uh, tonight. Whew, even on the Halstead home floor, that's, that's a yeah, tough turnaround. Yeah, they, they really just – the, the, the pressure defense is just so hard to handle. I mean, I think the only way you can really prepare for it is, well, they did they did see it, so they'll know what to expect this time. But I think the only way to really prepare for it is by going five on seven or something like that because they're just everywhere, man. I have been in practices where coaches have done that. They have put an extra defender to kind of simulate full court type pressure that you will be under against some of those teams that are so good that just – a relentless 90 feet for the entire 32 minutes. So maybe, maybe that's what Halstead will do. Um, I just don't, ha I don't have a lot of hope that it's going <laughs> to find some magic for him tonight to upset Haven, but we will, we shall see. Uh, the one other tournament involving um, Ad Astra coverage this week will be um, later in the week, the Salina tournament which Bueller plays in every year. Um, that doesn't start. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday tournament. The matchups for Bueller. Um, again, those games will be on 95 9. Bueller against Salina South on Thursday, followed by Bueller and Wichita South boys. And then uh, the matchups, depending on who wins, who loses, are yet to be determined for Friday and Saturday. That's always a huge challenge for Bueller. Um, usually playing some of the bigger 4A, sometimes 5A schools in that Salina tournament. So another huge challenge for a, a young girls team and a, and a boys team for Bueller, I think, that we think is going to be very, very competitive and very good at the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, taking on Wichita South, the boys are right away. They're going to you know, test their medal against the City League team. So that's a pretty good challenge. Not, not a typical 3-6. And I tell you, right after that, Andover or Salina Central. Salina Central is a seven seed in this tournament. I mean, that's that tells you how good this tournament is. And so, you know, when you got the home team, Salina Central has a seven seed, and it's not a, it's not their best team. That's still a pretty competitive team. So, no matter what happens with Bueller or Wichita South, uh, Bueller's going to have two pretty tough games to open with, and before they get in, even they, before they get into their final game. So again, that Bueller will have to wait till a later in the week. Um, for Bueller, but I, I love these. And I know some people don't. I have always loved early and mid-season tournaments just for the fact that 
these tournaments prepare you for what's to come in the postseason for sub-state and state. Um, if you're a team that feels like you got a good chance, it, it prepares you for three games in four days or three games in five days like the sub-states are set up. It gives you a really good idea maybe what you need to work on or if you need to develop better depth or whatever it is. It gives you that really good idea of what you need to do to um, advance to where your goal is well, in I also March. like seeing these midseason tournaments for the non-traditional matchups, and that's really and that's really for any tournament, Definitely. you know, in, in, in any sport. And then, of course, every now and then, you know, you might get something like I see the Bueller girls are playing Salina South. I'm pretty sure they play Salina South every year. So, uh, if not every year, that's still a regular opponent for Bueller. So sometimes you may end up playing someone familiar. But even then, you know, the Bueller girls after that will play either Liberal or Abilene, you know, a non-traditional opponent there. So it's it's I think it, it, I always enjoy seeing those non-traditional matchups. And definitely the Sterling Invitational, like Hugoton and some teams like that that are in there. It, it is fun to see teams for other areas. But the, the selfish part of me, um, Friday night, would love to see Lions and Sterling boys. Um, just the old rivalry there, um, all the marbles on the line, the kind of the, the selfish Lions grad in me would love to see that matchup come Friday night. <laughs> Always get to see the big Rice County matchup there. Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll go through the whole schedule here in just a little bit for everybody that's listening, but I guess we'll go. That was what was on my ledger for today. Unless you have something to add, we can move on to our final thoughts. Well, my final thought, week. I actually would just, uh, I mentioned them in the fall also, but uh, late last week, got news that the Hutchinson Community College men's golf team is now ranked number one in the country. And boy, I tell you what, it's not very often I've covered Juco golf for several years where you see the uh, a Kansas team with the opportunity to win a national championship. I know Dodge City's had some great teams through the years. Hutch has also, but usually it's, you know, Texas, Alabama, Florida, Arizona, you know, the Southern schools that are in the mix for the national championship. But to see the Blue Dragons right now ranked number one, according to collegiategolf.com, and they are actually, uh, looking at the poll, unanimous number one that, boy, I tell you what, you just don't see that very often where a Kansas uh, team uh, in golf with a chance to maybe win a national championship. And from everything I've heard, they will have a legitimate chance to win it all. It is very impressive to have a a team like that at Hutch Juco. I guess one thing we didn't touch on, it kind of brings up a little bit larger topic would be, of course, um, those of you who watched, I did not, the Alabama-Ohio State um, college football playoff championship with Alabama winning comfortably, I think it was 52 to 28 brought up the larger question um, um, of what to do to make the college football playoff better. I mean, obviously Alabama seems like they're winning it about every other year. They're, they're in there every year. It seems like we have a, with exceptions here and there, the same three or four teams um, in that playoff. I mean, of course, expansion is always talked about, but, I mean, I don't have the answer. I'd love to see it be eight teams because I'm I'm tired of it being the same four teams or, or virtually that every season. I know that just means, well, if they're the best, if you want to be the best, you've got to recruit better, you've got to play better. But um, I don't have the answer, but I would certainly like to see some changes to make it. It just was not interesting to me, and I think a lot of people I talked to Probably felt not going to see way. a major expansion anytime soon, maybe six or eight teams. I would love to actually get, go even further and go to 12 to 16 where you play anything short of the semifinals on the home campuses. I think that would be a lot of fun and to really invigorate some college football enthusiasm because I don't know, Scott, a lot has to do with the the fact that my, you know, our Jayhawks suck, but I just have a hard time just getting into college (laughs) football anymore these days because it is the same stuff pretty much every year. And I don't know. I I just, I think if you really want to invigorate some enthusiasm for college football, expand the playoffs. That's the only thing you can really do. And not just the six teams, not just the eight teams go beyond it. Go to 12, 16, I think. Yeah. And the, the powers that be, I don't think we will ever see 16 teams. I mean, they're going to initially in a normal year point to, well, we can't play 16 games or blah, 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 whatever um, excuse that is the, every other division in college football does it. Those teams end up playing, 11 regular season games and that if they win a championship they play four or five more so it's not that it can't be done it won't be done because of the money but 
if we could get to eight, that might actually include the coastal Carolinas, the Boise States, the Cincinnati's of the world, at least get that Cinderella team involved um, and give them a, a shot at the big boys to show what they can prove. I, I think at least if it could get to that, that would be yeah, a major I think so too. You know, you get a, something like a Boise State beating Oklahoma or something like that. You know, one of the great games in college football history. And I think if you can do that, it definitely would generate a lot of excitement. I think. Well, my final thoughts this week kind of go out to a, a time in the year we're going to get to um, massive scheduling headaches for um, SIDs at the collegiate level. You know, all the. JUCO sports are all going to get started here by March, including football. Um, at the NAI level, football season was going to resume in March. So will the, the soccer seasons, the volleyball seasons, the basketball seasons, the baseball, the softball, the track and field. All of those sports are going to be going all at one point in March before basketball finishes on out and everything. And I, it just goes out to, you know, I know you, we both know Steve Carpenter at Hutch Chuko. I know Caden Ford well and a lot of the other SIDs in the KCAC, and they are going to literally be frazzled um, if schedule ends up with four or five home games on the same day, which they're, they're responsible for statting all of those varsity games, so they have to have it covered somehow. So my thoughts just kind of go out to them. It's, it's going to get absolutely nuts um, for those administrators and those SIDs trying to, to get all this quality coverage and stats um, done the way it needs to be done. And I just want to um, wish them the best in any way that, you know, we could help out. We, we would certainly offer that. It, it's going to get fun nuts. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't envy them, but at the same time, I'm sure that they will take it over what they had in the fall. Definitely. I mean, at least, at least the kids are playing and we're getting championships completed. Um, so again, uh, our schedule for the first part of the week on Ad Astra and Monday, 94, seven have the Jayhawks at Baylor. I think that's the, uh, let me get my military time. I think that's about an eight o'clock tip for that. 95, nine Breen Academy, Burton boys, followed by pretty Prairie and Fairfield boys. That's Brad's games in Burton. KNZS will have Trinity Catholic and Southeast of Celine followed by Lions and Kingman boys. That's action from Sterling. Kicks 106, uh, standalone game, Sterling and Scott City girls from Sterling and Mound Ridge, Wichita homeschool boys on the stream from Canton Galva. Tuesday, if Lions or Trinity boys lose, would have that game in the consolation bracket on 94-7, followed by Sterling, Scott City boys. Uh, 95-9, Little River Central Christian boys, followed by Gossel Inman boys from Burton. 100.3 Trinity Catholic, Southeast of Saline Girls, followed by Hugoton Kingman Girls, again from Sterling. Um, from Hillsboro on Kicks 106 at 6 o'clock, Hillsboro Republic County Girls, followed by Haven Halstead Boys from Halstead. And then I'll have SC Women and Men Basketball on 95.9 at 6 o'clock um, from Kansas Wesleyan on Wednesday. And then Bueller will get underway on Thursday, Salina South girls and Wichita South boys against Bueller on 95.9 with KNZS having WSU and Memphis. The rest of the week is in the 2D determined mode. So again, uh, busy, busy week. Um, enjoy all of the games. If you can't get to them, enjoy them on the Ad Astra Sports Network. Uh, for this week, for Brad Hallier, this is Scott Hogan for View from the Press Box. Enjoy your week, and God bless.